You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hey, Live Different Podcast listeners. Are you looking to get out of your comfort zone? Put the things that we talk about on the Live Different Podcast into practice. If so, come and check out Under 30 Experiences and Travel the World. Under 30 Experiences is open to ages 21 to 35. Come down and visit me in the jungle of Costa Rica. Go and explore Mayan ruins in Mexico and Belize. Hike the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu. Go to street parties in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Come to see the historical colonial city of Cartagena, Colombia. Drink wine in France. Go down to Barcelona. Uh, Why not check out Ireland and Scotland and London Glacier Walk in Iceland. We go all over the place. Bali, Indonesia. I can't remember where else we go, but there are amazing places for you to check out, and I suggest that you do. I'm the co-founder of Under 30 Experiences, and if you put in the code Live Different upon checkout, you'll get $100 off. So go to under30experiences.com, get out of your comfort zone, travel to a faraway land, and meet new people. Hello, everybody, and we're not going to stumble over the first two words of the podcast. That's not a good way to start. All right, fuck it. Leave it in. Nathan Chan, everybody, from Founder Magazine. He is the publisher of Founder Magazine. I asked him what his official title was, and I think we settled on Dude Who Started Founder Magazine. He is coming at us from Australia. I am in Costa Rica today, and uh, Nathan has a really awesome publication for young entrepreneurs, much like Under 30 CEO, which I'm really excited to pick his brain on. He's interviewed all the big names that you can think of. Actually, there's probably a ton more on your list, Nathan, but Richard Branson, Gary Vaynerchuk, Tony Robbins, I mean... There's a lot of successful female entrepreneurs. I think you, I saw uh, Ariana Huffington on there. I'm just pumped to connect. We have a really good, uh, close, mutual friend, Daniel DiPiazza, and uh, we've been meaning to connect for a while, so I'm excited to, to have you on, talk to you about your podcast and uh, this massive Instagram following that you've amassed. And uh, what's up, Nathan? How are you doing? Good morning. Yeah, thanks so much for the uh, kind intro, Matt. Um, oh, not too much. Just uh, as I said, um, offline. Um, it's 9 a.m. here, and uh, just uh, got up for the gym 6:30. Come back, and here we are, ready to rock it. Excellent, excellent. Uh, what was in store at the gym today? I'm curious. What What was that? Sorry. Well, what was in store at the gym today? What'd you do at the gym? Oh yeah, we did legs, leg day. Nice. So. Um, yeah, but I gotta, I gotta be careful because um, been having some problems in my lower back. It gets tight if I mm. go too heavy on the squats and stuff. So, yeah, fairly light session. Um, it's good. Like uh, one of my friends, uh, he owns a fitness studio, and um, yeah, we 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 train together every pretty much most mornings, and that's how we keep each other accountable. He's in really really good shape, um, much better shape than me, and uh, yeah, we like you know we talk business, we talk about life, we have really good conversations. It's really fun. I look forward to our gym sessions every morning. That's awesome. What so? Uh, it's your accountability buddy who gets you out of bed every morning. You got to get up at six to be at the gym at six thirty, or uh, it, it's yeah, not easy to, to work up. out at that time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got to get up at 6.30 to be at the gym at 7. 
Okay, that's uh, that's not easy, but it sounds like that's what keeps you going, having having somebody who's inspiring to train with, huh? Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, I think you know it's a, it's really important to um, start your day right, and uh, you know with you know same with you. I'm sure you know fitness, um, taking time out, just kind of you know they say you should you know meditate. You know that that doing going to the gym is a form of I see as meditation, just kind of to relieve stress, and it's just great for health and well being. And um, you know with the the things that we both have going on, it's really really important to live a balanced life lifestyle and you know try and be healthy so yeah it's yeah it's all round win i i hear that i hear that uh i think it was arnold schwarzenegger who said in fact i know it was arnold schwarzenegger who said that he learned transcendental meditation in the 1970s and just brought it into lifting with him and then he decided you know i don't really need the med this uh, formal meditation practice anymore because he was doing it all the time in the gym. I thought that was a pretty cool analogy. Mm, yeah, no, I agree. Um, I yeah, I don't meditate as much as I should or would like to. Um, I like to use the Headspace app, but yeah, no, I find um, you know when when you're running a company, especially with when you're starting to scale and you have a lot of employees and you have quite high overheads. Um, you know, it, you know, it can, it can be quite stressful. So, you know, um, it's really, really good to, to try and balance things out as well. And, and I think I've got a pretty high tolerance for stress, but still, you know, you've got to go, I reckon you've got to go to the gym at least three, four times uh, a week at least. Um, and, and I find the mornings a good, good way to get out of the way. Yeah, for sure. If you can, if you can get up and, and get out there, I, I usually wake up and well, I have a meditation practice first thing, but uh, I'm not a morning workout person. I really like to enjoy the first uh, couple hours of my morning and drink my coffee and uh, write if I if I can and start to take care of the most urgent things. And then by late afternoon, I'm ready to I'm ready to quit. I'm I'm I can't see straight at that point. Actually, that doesn't happen to me that much anymore that's what i know i've overdone it but uh before i get to that point i try to then get to the gym if i can mm, yeah no, that's interesting i'm not much of a morning person either like on weekends man i i have big sleep ins bro like sometimes i might work on weekends i might work or do you know i might be out or doing something until like late in the morning and then yeah or not even or you know go to bed like 1 2 a.m and then yeah i'll sleep until like 11 10 o'clock but um, yeah, I just find, I just find it's a good way for me as well. Cause, cause, um, a lot of people that we interview and do all sorts of things with all in the States. So I, I'm always, I always got to be up, you know, Monday to Friday during the, in the morning. So I've just found that that's just the way to go to just stay on top of my game. Sure. Sure. No, that, that makes perfect sense. It's, uh, it's evening here, but morning for you, your whole, your whole half a day ahead of me at least what's uh what's life like in australia i've i've never been i'm i'm curious have you spent a lot of time in the states yeah i have spent a bit a fair bit of time in the states now since i've started founder um yeah man australia's pretty amazing dude so i live in a town called um melbourne australia it's it's um 
it's one of the it's one of the major cities in in Australia that's quite well known and um, yeah I really like it it's kind of a little bit like a like a London or a New York um, but an extremely smaller version um, but yeah there's a f- I don't I don't know the numbers around in the millions how many but uh, no it's got a really good culture very multicultural um, very similar to the states uh, and there's always a lot going on and my family's here um, my family is really important to me uh so you know there's there's definitely you know if 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 i was a bit smarter i probably should relocate to the states if i wanted to drive things with founder faster and maybe further um and probably should set up an office or or, and and migrate to somewhere either you know an austin or new york or san fran or san diego but um that's just not me. Like uh, my life's here and, and I think what I'm trying to do can be done out of Melbourne. And I really, really love Melbourne. All my friends here or my family's here. And, uh, there's a lot of things that I like to do. Um, I love to travel. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I think I can, yeah, I think I can build a good solid base here with what I'm doing with founder as well in Melbourne. No, that's awesome. And it's, it's so important to, understand what you want and not just go chasing somebody else's dream and uh yeah i think that way all the time about spending so much time in costa rica that mm, yeah probably i should be in the states but probably definitely i'm having more fun here i'll tell you that much so that's Mm. and that's what's important to me at this at this phase of my life for for sure for sure uh you said so you're you uh are an avid traveler or were an, were an avid traveler. You were actually in the travel business as you worked for Intrepid. Uh, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious about that stage of your life. Could you, could you uh, tell us a little bit more? Yeah, sure thing. So um, before I started Founder, this is my first business, I was kind of searching. Uh, I was a little lost, you could say, with the kind of work that I wanted to do and, and um, the kind of work even that I knew that I wanted to do um, and the finding work that I was passionate about. So, uh, you know, did did what, you know, you're told to do by society and by, you know, um, you know, the, the status quo is, you know, you go, you, you know, get good grades, um, you get good enough grades to get into a university and then you study and then you get good grades to, you know, from your university grades and then you get a good job and then, you know, you get that good job and you kind of, you know, happily ever after. And uh, for me, um, for my high school, I never really got the best grades and I just kind of just scraped through to get through to university, to get into a university degree. Um, and I settled with a, a business IT degree. So it was half business, half IT. And um, yeah, just kind of uh, was doing that, wasn't really feeling it, wasn't really that, you know, good, you know excited by it. And then, um, you know, I had to do a placement. So part of doing that degree, I had to go off and um, get, like, you know, working experience for a year. So I had to do an internship. And so I did an internship at this company as a paid internship, you know. And uh, for, so I worked there for a year full time. And then um, that was in IT at an accounting firm. And uh, absolutely, utterly hated it. Uh, the environment, <laughs> the culture. 
even the people I didn't really get on with and I didn't really have many friends there. It was quite a small firm as well, so it was not exciting. It was quite depressing, to be honest. Um, But at first, man, like it was my first full-time job, I was loving it. Uh, For the first six months, I thought it was the best thing since sliced bread, and I absolutely loved it. But then I very, very quickly um, took the – you know, went down – it went downhill and, you know, I had a micromanaging boss and, you know – um, within the accounting firm, it was uh, like a like um, a small little IT shop. So there was me and two other people, me, a colleague, and a boss that, that had the IT division. It was kind of his own little consulting firm, and he'd been doing it for 20 years, and you know he hasn't taken the business that far. So there was something obviously missing there that you know I never picked up on until obviously much further down the track. But um, what happened was, dude. I always said that when I finished my degree and graduate, I was going to go to Europe with one of my best friends that, um, you know, we went to kindergarten together. We went to primary school together, high school and university. And we did the same degree. And, um, yeah, uh, so when I did that internship, I had a couple more credits that I had to finish off. And uh, I finished those credits off. Uh, while I was working on that internship. So by the time I finished that internship, um, you know, that was, you know, from January to December. And then I said, when it hits this, I'd been there for a year. I said, look, I want to go and do this Europe trip. I want to go for like eight weeks. And um, uh, they, you know, I had to push pretty hard to let them let me do it to go for eight weeks. But they let me do it. And um, that was my first trip to Europe. That was pretty much my first overseas trip. I had been overseas just to Hawaii before. Uh, but, um, yeah, mainly just uh, that trip was, was the one that, you know, felt like my first overseas trip. I went to Hawaii with my family and stuff and it wasn't anything major. But, yeah, this trip, so what was – how old was I? I must have been 23. Um, yeah, no, actually it was – what, it was seven years ago. Euro, yeah, in 2010. So Europe 2010. And, um, man, uh, I did, a, you know, a, a amazing trip. Did, like, a Katiki tour. Went like, – went, everywhere all around Europe um, and uh, yeah it was amazing dude and I had so much fun and I just fell in love uh, with traveling I got the bug and um, when I when I came back this is where it gets interesting when I before I came back to my day job at this accounting firm doing IT stuff IT consulting because um, that's what I, what I you know did from my degree um, I I was dreading it so much and I and I realized you know I think these big kind of travel trips especially your first ones you really um you really learn a lot about yourself and um, it's a form of self-discovery and you really grow as a person. I don't know what it is, but there's something really magical when you do these kind of trips. And um, I grew a lot as a person, Matt, and I and I really acknowledged, you know, where I was at with my life and what I was happy with and what I wasn't. And one thing was definitely that job. And I dreaded it so much going back. I said, I've got to make a change. I said, I, you know, I know now that I never really wanted to do IT. I just kind of got slotted in. And um, long story short, uh, I, I applied to go to um, you know go back to uni, do a degree because I really loved marketing, and did a master's of marketing. And so I got into that. When as soon as I got back, I applied and got in. And then I said I'm going to leave this crappy job, and um, I ended up getting a job at Intrepid Travel. And that was by mere chance, not by choice. To be honest with you, it wasn't uh, you know I was just looking for a job to get out, and, and this seemed like a great place. And uh, and I thought because it was a big company that I could move over to marketing 
and um, finished my degree and moved over from IT to marketing, and it was a good move. So, um, yeah, that's how I ended up in Intrepid, man. And, um, you know, during that time, I had the travel bug as well, and I, I did a lot of trips uh, during that um, period of working there, which was it was great. And, and I learned a lot there, amazing culture, amazing company, have so much respect for the founder, uh, one of the founders um, who's a mentor of mine, Daryl Wade. And, you know, uh, it was just an incredible experience, had a lot of fun. I learned a lot about business and, you know, that was a startup, not really anymore. It's The company's been around for 30 years, but it is, there is still that, there is definitely still a culture of a, culture of a startup um, and it's amazing environment. That's, yeah, that's, how, that's um, in a roundabout way. Sorry, it took so long to explain, but yeah, that's, that's how that started. No, I'm, I'm fascinated. That was the story that I wanted to hear. And I wanted to back up, actually, because I am a firm believer in travel, obviously, and what you talked about, the, uh, about self-discovery and growth, I totally see, and then I totally see in our travelers, which is what we try to do with under 30 experiences, is pay forward that self-discovery and growth that our staff has had and, and pass that on to other people. But I, I, I get it, but I want to check in for a second and, and ask you uh, not so much about the self-discovery and growth, but what was it that you went back uh, to your normal IT consulting or, or accounting or whatever you were doing there? What was it that you didn't like specifically because it's easy for me especially to fall into kind of this uh, anti-establishment uh, mentality that that I have actually I, I took that phrase from your Richard Branson article that I, I was reading today uh, <laughs> from your interview with him and he's you know he's maverick and anti-establishment and all this stuff and so it's yeah it's easy for me but I'm curious what exactly you didn't like was it being told to be somewhere from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m.? Was it the morning commute? Or I, I'm just kind of curious because it's important to get other people's takes on it. Because when people ask me, oh, are you moving back to the States? A lot of times I say, oh, God, no. But that's become just my default answer. And I just want to make sure I'm still uh, still on, on the right track here or just doing the doing my own thing for the right reasons is very important and i think mm. our listeners it'll be a good check in for my uh for our listeners here yeah no it's a really great question man um a few things um i never forget you know when i was walking um walking to work one day walking i was at the train station um i was walking up the hill to go to the train station and um uh, you know, this was the first job that I set that accounting firm, and I never forget just one day thinking to myself um, and feeling it, and I, I, it's so difficult to describe, I'm doing my best, but just feeling it and thinking it and telling myself that I'm destined for so much more and I could be so much more and I could do so much more. So that was one experience, I don't know why, but it, my, my mind was telling me that. Um, I, during the commute, I always found it quite depressing. Um, you know, like, you know, a 30 minute train ride to the city, uh, the train's dead silent at 7am. No one's saying anything. Everyone's sure. depressed. No one wanted to be there. Um, fully packed train, you know, carriage across carriage across carriage, man. Um, that 
didn't really, you know, that was, you know, it wasn't a massive thing, but it was a contributing thing. But the biggest thing, you know, if I would shoot from my gut um, would be I just purely didn't enjoy the work and it just wasn't me. Um, I didn't enjoy it. I dreaded some of it. I hated it. And I was just doing it to get paid. And I often thought, what would it look like if I actually did work that I enjoyed? Um, and I often dreamed what that would, would look like. Um, didn't know what that was, but I definitely knew what I didn't want to do. That's a really good explanation. The The one that we use around the office, I'll, I'll give a little shout out to uh, Eric, our producer, and he also leads trips for under 30 experiences, and he's kind of a jack of all trades, but he formerly worked at uh, Morgan Stanley, and mm. he went into this big financial firm, and he's, you know, a 22-year-old kid looking to take on the finance world or, or whatever, I don't even know, and and I think it was his first day of work. I'm not sure. Uh, that could be my own embellishment of the story. But he says to his boss, hey, how are you doing? And he says, well, another day older, another day fatter. And Eric was like, get me out of here. So we always say that in the office, actually. Oh, how are you doing? So we always, we always say that for fun. Oh, another day older, mm. another day fatter, which is... is mm. Obviously, uh, the the epitome of sarcasm. We only say that for uh, for a good laugh. But uh, I totally I totally hear you. And then, okay, so so you have those moments, and then the self discovery and growth. I think, you know, was it the period of long to a long time having just a smile on your face going through Europe, or or what what do you think you learned about yourself? Yeah, definitely that. It was just so much fun, but um, just a lot. Uh, it, it's hard to really pinpoint what I did learn about myself, but there was just a, an overwhelming takeaway that I can't do what I'm doing for the rest of my life and I've got to make a change and that, you know, famous, you know, Tony Robbins loved this quote, always lived by this quote um, for a long time since I found, you know, been interested in personal development and stuff like that. If you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. Um, and I just really felt that I, I needed a change. I don't, I don't, I can't really pinpoint or describe that self-discovery or, or that, that change in me or, or, or what it was, except the fact that I really dreaded the thought of going back and I knew I had to make a change and I knew something had to be changed up and I knew that just I had to be real for myself that I wasn't meant – that job wasn't for me um, and I had to make a change and, and the work that I was doing wasn't for me and I wanted to change and I thought I could. So maybe it was – it also gave me a sense of confidence in myself as well around my abilities, you know? Oh, that's really cool about the confidence. So hey, I've just seen the world. I know that I could do this. Uh, is that what you mean in, in the confidence? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And and I guess kind of, you know, when you travel, um, you're pushing your comfort zones. You know, you've got you've to go out there and meet people. Um, you've got to work out where you're going because, you know, we went to like 30 insane amounts of cities, lost count, you know, like. Wow. Um, 
and you've you so many flights and you've got to work these things out and I don't know it just I, I just felt yeah I definitely definitely had an increased sense of confidence and and um, you know push my comfort zone man massively push my comfort zone um, and and it just felt it felt more easier than ever when I when I did when I decided that I was going to make a change. It felt more easier than ever. If I was still at that job and didn't do this trip, I, you know, I might have made that change. I probably would have eventually, but yeah, it just something. It shook. It shook some things up for me for sure. Um, that's that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, travel. Yeah, camp. I wish I could give you a better answer, man. No, I, 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 if you ask me that question, I don't think that I would have a a uh, specific pinpoint. Although I did feel like I learned a lot about the world. Also, and this kind of big facade that we, we happen to all be playing our part in, uh, and, and, you know, sometimes the whole analogy of the rat race really is true, that we're all just, uh, you know, trying to be productive to, to feed back into the system. And uh, so, so seeing, kind of zooming out and seeing all that firsthand and how it works in different countries and how you know a, a more socialist european system works versus a more capitalist place and then you you know you go to a place like latin america where you see the huge divide between the rich and the poor and you see where capitalism goes wrong and then you see all you know you meet with microfinance uh, lend or people who have received little tiny micro loans and now they're able to see their families and Oh my, and then oh my God, there's where capitalism has gone right, and uh, yeah, there's just so much to to learn about travel. I wanted to ask you, Nathan, if you've seen, uh, if you've heard other similar stories with very uh, top end entrepreneurs, and, and it doesn't have to be about travel. I mean, I love travel. You seem to love travel, and uh, I'm not trying to sell anybody travel right now, but I'm curious more about what you've learned from the people, and if you've heard any uh, good reset stories or breakout stories or uh, epiphanies. Uh, have, have you heard a bunch of those in your in your interviews? I'm curious. Hmm. It's a great question, and off the top of my head, nothing comes to mind around um, like, dude. You you might this might sound a little bit weird to you, but I do so many interviews, and I I, I won't do them forever. Um, I'm I'm working towards very very slowly one day, you know, in probably the next year and a half or year, where I probably won't do the interviews anymore, um, but. Man, I do so many. Sometimes it feels like a blur, bro. Sure, sure, sure. No, and you don't have to have an answer here for me. I'm just, I'm just curious. We're just chatting, so uh, it's not like. And for anybody listening, it's I never send interview questions to the uh, to the people. It's just not a, as authentic of a conver- conversation. I mean, this was a Nathan is a intro from a buddy who and we've admired or at least i've admired your work for for a while and uh, i just wanted to chat yeah, me so, too, man. yeah this is this is what it's all about mm. yeah but no so for me with the interviews dude um it like i draw on them myself when like you know i'm in a situation because it will spark up and i remember but yeah, it, it does really become a bit of a blur. Like, um, you know, we just launched a project uh, 
a couple months ago. It was a crowdfunding project. We created this physical coffee table book, which was essentially a collection of the last, you know, 40 back issues of the magazine, um, you know, 130 or so, you know, interviews or whatever it was. And um, we compiled the best pieces of advice and wisdom shared from all these amazing founders and entrepreneurs and broke it down into sections and categories. But then another thing, we took it a step further and we did an audio book, but we didn't just do any audio book. Like I, I did the speaking, I did the narration for the audio book, so I spoke. But then every single quotable that we, you actually see in the book that we compiled from the podcast, we actually pulled every single quotable and and slotted it into the audiobook um, oh, cool. that's relate so long story short I've listened to that audiobook quite a few times and I'm still learning like I I've had to listen to check it to make sure there's no errors and it's been a beast of a project man it's taken us months and um, long story short I, I listened to that audiobook I've had those conversations with people and I still learn from that audiobook and, and I've listened to it quite a few times. So there, I, there's still stuff that gets sparked up that I forget or gets lost, you know. Oh, that's awesome. Because it's moving so fast, yeah. Yeah, you said it was a crowdfunding campaign. Is there a way that our uh, listeners can, can listen in? Is it still available? Oh, no. So um, it was in December, and uh, it was in December, and um, – we yeah we we, if we started uh, started in November and finished in December and um, yeah if people want to know we're just shipping out the book now and all the audio book and all the other rewards and stuff but if you would like to know more about that book um you can just go to foundmag f o u n d r m a g dot com forward slash book and when we re release to the public and go evergreen on it yeah people can grab a copy of both the book and the audio book cool 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 I'm just writing that down myself founder f o u n d r mag com slash did you say book yeah sweet okay good uh no i'm glad that that will at least be re-released at some point in the future so back back to your story nathan uh so you went and traveled you said all right well i gotta quit my job that sucks and then i'm gonna enroll uh in university find some more skills and then you ended up working uh for an exciting fast-paced company in the travel industry and then you took another leap at some point, but I'm curious. So uh, one of uh, my favorite pieces of work that you've produced is with Daryl Wade, the founder of Intrepid Travel. And uh, you said that you he's become a mentor of yours. So I'm curious how – I mean this is like – Intrepid's like a $300 million business. Is that correct? I'm curious about yep. how you got to yep. work and with, turnover. with him. Yeah, yeah so um, – this is an interesting story that I've never told. Um, so it's a good question, man. So what happened was, you know, um, was working at Intrepid for a good couple years, dude, where I was loving it. I didn't really like the IT work, but I loved the people and the culture so much, and I had a lot of fun. Um, like I just – I'll give you an example of how cool of a place it was to work. I'll give you an example. So when I started there, you know, I met all these really cool people because at the accounting firm, everyone was old. Everyone in Trevor was young. So sure. I made all these friends and it was so much fun. And um, 
within the first, I think, six months of being there, um, we were relocating to another office. So we were our office was uh, in the outskirts of the city, in a in a you know uh, a place called Fitzroy. So it's like you know just on the outskirts of the CBD. So it's literally like you know five to ten k's, and um, you know if you were to think of um, Fitzroy, it would be like an equivalent of Williamsburg. For New York, have you been to Williamsburg? I, I have, I have. Yep. I brought my skinny so very, jeans. Yep. So very hipster, very edgy, very funky, very cool. That's where the original Intrepid offices were. And so what they did was, um, you know, the company's been running for thirty years or whatever, but they did own. Um, they did own uh, like it was was like a block of land and they had these flats where kind of people like because um, when they used to do the trips in the early days, what would happen is um, they'd get these leaders. That's what they were called leaders. Like, um, so they weren't always local leaders. They were people from Melbourne and they do six months or three months sabbaticals you know, over in Southeast Asia, lead the trips. And then they'd have to come back to Melbourne. They'd have nowhere to live. So they'd live in the flats. Okay. Um, and, uh, so there was an off, but there was also an office there. Like, so it was a, it was a pretty big block, man. And long story short, there was the, that Intrepid actually, the owned, like they actually owned that, that, that building. And, um, as time went on and the company grew, um, that building, you know, not just the flats, it all got turned into office. So that whole building, that whole building block, um, it all turned into office space. It was like a house, you, you know, there was the flats and there was like a whole nother place you could actually live if you wanted to. You could turn it into a house, but it was kind of commercial. It was really cool. And it was heritage listed. It was heritage listed. So you couldn't knock it down or do anything. And as the company grew, you know, they purchased the building across, they um, started leasing the building across the road and they turned that all into office space. And then they had like a, like, um, like a, someone's house, like a townhouse um, down the road. Like it was literally like a, you know, a two minute walk down the road. They turned that all into office space. So they were really outgrowing the whole area. And long story short, when I joined, they were just starting to, um, you know, know that they were moving into the, the CBD, like the central business district. And um, uh, long story short, uh, when, like, I helped with the migration of moving over all the computer systems and everything. We had, like, a good team and we all did that and it was really fun and, and you know, made really good friends with those guys in my team and and uh, there was no one in the flats, like, because we weren't working there. So they needed somebody to look after the flats because they were scared. I don't know how it works in um, – in America or Costa Rica, but if you if you like a homeless and you break into a place that's you know is is no one's living there, if you stay there long enough, you can actually claim residency, mm. and you can actually uh-huh. ca- like cause a lot of legal issues where you might actually own the place or something crazy, right? So they needed someone to live in there to look after it. So that whole summer, I lived in those flats. And it was crazy. I had like a crazy New Year's Eve party. It was so much fun. Like, and this is just an, one example of just working. Like, I put up my hand to look after the place because um, I was living it with my parents at the time. And yeah, you know, I was like 
22 or whatever, and I put up my hand and I, I was living in the flats and I spent the whole summer there in Fitzroy. It was so much fun and a crazy New Year's Eve party. Um, it was insane, dude. And like, <laughs> you know, I had a lot of fun at Intrepid, long story short. I had a lot of fun at Intrepid. Didn't enjoy the work, but got by because I had a great team. It was really close to my team. And then everyone else in the company, there's like, a, you know, 150 people there, made a lot of great friends, used to have a lot of fun. And, um, you know, during that time, I was also doing my master's of marketing, just kind of, you know, saying, yep, I'm going to leave eventually, or I'm going to try and get a job at Intrepid in marketing. And um, that's what happened for a good couple of years, man, until it got to a point where I'd finished my degree and I was ready to move on. And that was my timeline in the sense that I had to start actually saying what I was going to do. And now I'd got my degree, I've got to get a job in marketing and find work that I was passionate about. And I went for quite a few different job interviews at all these different places, externally out of Intrepid, internally at Intrepid. And no one would hire me, man. No one would give me a shot because I had no marketing experience. I was super hungry, dude, but no one would give me a shot. And um, what happened was... Uh, by sheer circumstance and coincidence, I was, uh, you know, I started to look at other alternatives on how to get experience and and just just start, you know, just finding work that I was passionate about. And I stumbled across this thing called the 30 Day Challenge, where it teaches you how to make your first dollar online and it teaches you online marketing. And it was taught by coincidence by an internet marketer, old school guy, like, you know, used to be friends and knows Frank Kern. And like, he's one of the old school dudes. But it was a brilliant free course. And um, uh, he, he lived in Melbourne. He still does. And he's another mentor of mine. And uh, long story short, uh, this guy, you know, I did this free challenge and I, and you know, um, you know, I created a website. It was called bestsmellingcologne.net. And I thought maybe one day that this could be a thing. And it was totally ridiculous at the time, bro. But, you know, I was trying to get my feet wet so I could get experience. And then what happened was, um, this guy, the guy that created the 30 day challenge, he started this new product. He, he launched a software product and that software product allowed you to create your own digital magazine in the app store and the Google play store. And I was sold. I thought it was such a brilliant idea. Just creating a magazine in the space. Didn't know what topic, um, at first the topic was going to be, so I purchased the software and I thought I was going to do a, a magazine on horse racing because, um, uh, you know, I moved out of home by that stage. I was living with one of my best friends who was a horse racing journalist at the time. And we were, I was dead set going to do this magazine on horse racing with him. And cause I had the software ready to go and we just need to start working on it. And, um, Pretty much before I went away, um, so before I finished my Masters of Marketing, dude, um, to finish it off, I did a um, like a international um, uh, study abroad thing, and I did it in France. And so before I went to France, I purchased the software, and I said to myself, when I come back, I'm going to set up this magazine. And so I did the, you know, finished off the rest of my degree, my master marketing in France and then came back. And that was an incredible experience. And um, then came back and um, was going to set up the horse racing magazine with my friend, but he got a full-time job. He was freelancing and they said he couldn't do any other gigs. So that didn't happen. And then I thought, well, you know what? 
I, at that time, I was also reading the Four Hour Work Week and and uh, other interesting books, and was listening to like podcasts like Pat Flynn, and and then also like you know listening and what following um a guy called Yaro Starak who sure. is actually yeah he he ended up living in Melbourne. We ended up becoming great friends as well um, as time went on, and and just really inspired. And I thought you know what better of a magazine to create than just a run that I felt there wasn't really servicing myself as a young entrepreneur. And like there wasn't a, a Forbes for young entrepreneurs or a fast company, and so and and I knew podcasts were hot, so I, I launched this magazine, dude. And um, you know, it took me ages, ages to get ready. It took me like six months to get it ready. So, um, you know, I launched this magazine, and uh, long story short, you know, in the first couple of months, I pitched Richard Branson. Um, he said yes, got him on the front cover of Founder. At the at the time, also the magazine wasn't called Founder; it was called something else. I was sued for trademark infringement. I could tell you more all around this kind of stuff, but that's how that's how that transition happened, dude. Wow. Uh- Damn, that's a lot of information. That's a lot of information to, to take in. That that's first of all, I wanted to say that I'm so glad that you didn't do a horseback, no horse racing uh, magazine because we probably wouldn't be friends right now. Nothing against horse riding, <laughs> but we probably just would never have crossed paths. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty yeah. cool. Um, and wow, okay, and and you've just had some throwbacks there for what what year was this uh when when you were starting because i was really you know i i ran under 30 ceo from 2008 uh really until about 2012 until under 30 experiences started taking up uh more more of my time um but those name those are like the internet marketing names that i remember the of course the the yaro and uh, frank kearns and and all those guys so what what year was this so it was in 2010 that i went to france to finish off my degree um, so no sorry not 2010 sorry 2012 okay i did my first europe trip in 2010 and then 2012 so um, yeah it was 2012 uh, purchased the software me to late end of 2012 got back and started working on the magazine November 2012 and I launched it March March 5th 2013 okay March 5th 2013 man you've come a long way in, in a short period of time uh, the, okay I have one Australia reference that I I want to make. Do you, do you know Jack Delosa and these guys, Bo Chase? Uh, you, you know, do you know those guys? I know they're in the same space you are. Um, I know of uh, Jack. We've never connected, but I'm familiar with his work. Yeah. Huh. Okay. No, just just curious because, uh, well, Australia having about a tenth of the people of the United States, I figured the. The people in that space would know know each other, but um, anyway, that's mm. yeah. Thank you for for sharing your story uh, about that. And so you just you almost built it out of necessity, as you said. Nobody else would take you on and give you a shot. And uh, hell, you've been really successful at it. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, well, thanks, man. Look, I'm just getting warmed up, you know. Um, I, I think I'm only really just scratching the surface with what's possible with the thing we're trying to do. But, 
to answer your original question, uh, this is how I connected with Daryl. So I launched the magazine and, you know, was running it on the side while I was working in Intrepid. It took me about 13 months, 14 months to build up before I could leave Intrepid and go full time on it. Um, and I just kept working on just working Intrepid full time and then working on Founder on the side. But um, when I first uh, started the magazine, Daryl, Daryl, you know, uh, Daryl's a very, very friendly guy, but he didn't really know who I was. Um, he might have seen me a couple of times because I might have had to fix his computer or set something up for his computer. But um, he lived on the same train line as me, like same train, like uh, he, he caught the train to work. Sure. And um, Daryl's like extremely tall. He's like six foot seven or six foot eight. He's wow. really tall. So for him to get into the train, he has to duck down. Um, to get to, like to walk into the train, he's, he's yeah, he's really funny. And um, long story short, I saw him from like a couple of carriages down get on, and I I just launched the magazine. I was up to issue number two, so I'm, I'll never forget, dude. My heart was beating really really fast, and I was like, I got to go and speak to him. I got to go and show him the magazine, and that's what I did, man. I was super nervous, super scared, because I don't know, you know. Um, the CEO you're really intimidated by, I always found the CEO or the founder of the company when you're working in a place um, and you're working in your nine-to-five job, you're really intimidated by that person, really scared, don't know what to say. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to push my comfort zone. I'm going to go up and say, hey, this is my magazine. I had my iPad on me and I shared the magazine with him. And um, that's how our relationship started. And, um, you know, then not long after I got sued for trademark infringement um, because the magazine wasn't called Founder at the time. I can't say what it was called, but we were sued by one of the biggest business magazines in the States. And uh, long story short, Daryl helped me work through that. Um, I, I, I said, man, I don't know what to do. I'm being sued. I was served. And I said, um, what should I do? And he's like, yep, um, let's get Tom to help us out. Tom was the lawyer. Um, the, like he was a lawyer, but uh, – and he knew – like he, he handled a lot of the law stuff at Intrepid, but he was quite high up. He was in the leadership team and, and he did a lot of product-based stuff. And, um, yeah, he helped me out and uh, him and Daryl helped me work through through that lawsuit. And uh, I just changed the name and I didn't really – and I have to pay up pay any money either, which was great. And um, yeah, just changed the name of the magazine. I called it Founder. And one of the reasons I called it Founder was one, I thought it was a great name. Uh, two, um, I removed the E because I never wanted to be sued again. And, and three, I, I made sure the trademark was available and I snaffled it up pretty quickly. And um, yeah, then the rest was kind of history. And like, you know, even just before I left Intrepid, um, there was a company that wanted to acquire Founder. And uh, we weren't ready for an acquisition, but it was interesting. And uh, Daryl was helping me work through that. And, um, you know, we, we, you know, that was, that was interesting, really interesting. This is like a, you know, big, legit company. And, um, you know, he helped me work through that. So he's always helped me along the way, even to this day. We catch up maybe once, uh, you know, once every half a year, once every quarter, not even. So I see him like two, three times a year and we catch up. And, um, yeah, that's, that's how that all came about. That's really cool. That that's great, and and uh, I commend you for just going up to him. And uh, that's awesome that he's so tall. You can you can pick him out. And you were you were uh, just kind of a face in the crowd at at that point. How many how many employees do you think uh, you were you were part of a huge team at that point, right? 
Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, Intrepid just just in the Melbourne office had at least 150 people there, man. Right, right. So yeah, you just you just went for it. That's that's awesome. And uh, what other than just trying to give yourself a creative outlet to use your marketing skills and be able to do your your own thing. Uh, what was it about starting a magazine about founders? Obviously, it was a great niche, and I'm really glad you didn't do the horse thing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what was it that you wanted to do? Did you want to do these interviews? I, I think you've done something like 160 interviews, or at least that's what your podcast. Maybe you've done a, 160 episodes of your podcast. I'm, I'm curious uh, what you really wanted to do out it other than other than just to start a business obviously to to make money and to have freedom what else what else was it for you i'm curious well what happened man was i fell in love with this space um with full transparency you know i i did the magazine as a passion hobby project never thought it would be this big startup multi-million dollar company with all these employees and millions of people consuming our content on a monthly basis none of that it literally just started as doing something for fun because i wanted to get a job in marketing and i was interested and really curious about business and and that was it and i just fell in love like me as a person i've always loved helping people and I just fell in love with the business. I fell in love with the space. I fell in love with the work. I fell in love with the project. And that's all this is, dude. It's that's just turned great. into a beast of a project. So, you know, um, I just love creating cool products, cool things that help people. Like if you look at all the things that we've created at Founder, um, you know, we, we for sure could have made a lot more money, but I, I love the craft, man, and I take a lot of pride in the stuff that we put out, and I think that in of itself has helped us grow faster because we create cool shit, man. Like that book, if you when you see it, man, uh, you know, it's insane, dude. Like it is the coolest thing ever, and just just like even the website and everything that we're doing, you know. Like I, I really, really try and go above and beyond what anyone would ever expect, and I, I I have a real passion for creating great products, and I'm really in love with this startup space. I know so much more about it than most people in terms of the who's who in the zoo, what's happening. Man, this is a serious passion for me, and that's how I've been able to drive it to where it is today because I'm in love with the process. This is what I was born to do, man. I was born to do this stuff. And um, coming from a place where uh, I was doing work that I incredibly hate, like just incredibly, utterly hated, did excite me, dreaded to find this thing, it was game over, bro. Like, I, you know, it was like... You know, I, I would do this all day, every day for free. Like, you know, no one works for free, but if you know what I mean, this is, I don't, I wake up every day and I'm pumped about work and, and it doesn't even feel like work. That's how I work ridiculous hours. Um, I think I have a little bit of a different lifestyle to you, man, in Costa Rica, but yeah, I hustle hard, man. And like, it doesn't feel like work and this is what I was born to do. And I'm super passionate about the space and the products that we create and the stuff that we put out and, and yeah, I get a real buzz and kick out of doing this stuff, man. That's great. That's great. I can absolutely tell. I can hear it in your voice, and uh, it's inspiring to be around 
people who who just uh, love what they do and are, are just uh, excited to share that with the world. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your, your products because obviously you're cranking out great content uh, and your content is in a lot of different mediums. First of all, you guys have beautiful design. Whoever, whoever your designer is, please compliment them because you have, of course, the magazine that you can download and scroll kind of in a PDF form. I don't know if that's really what it is, but it, uh, it's beautiful to scroll on a tablet or just on your computer or, or your phone. And then, of course, you have the podcast, which is an entirely different medium, an entirely different way to reach people. And then, uh, of course, you have your, your blog and, and just on Instagram. I mean, you guys are content creators. Of course, you have a million Instagram followers, which is insane. And, uh, but then you have products. I don't know much about your products other than it looks like you've learned a lot of awesome lessons starting this thing up yourself and you're trying to help other people hey figure it out themselves here's the lesson lessons that i've learned and here's how you can do it quicker and easier and uh you're, you're happy to share them uh share that with them i i know uh, that you have an instagram product you have a crowdsourcing product and uh, i scratched down in my notes to ask you how to get in touch with with your idols i think i was reading through some of your your emails uh, that you sent out and that was one of the things that you were helping people with. I don't know if that was an actual product or, or not, but uh, yet to, can you tell us about the, the meat, the, the money maker of Founder Magazine? Yeah, sure thing, man. So it's an interesting business model. Um, so we make our money from obviously the magazine subscriptions um, and then also uh, through the courses. Uh, now we have a couple of different courses. We have the Instagram course. We actually have a webinar course as well. And we have a membership site called Founder Club. And then um, we're, we're, work, we're just about to embark on a really new and exciting path, which will really help um, work towards commercializing the brand where um, we're finding instructors and people that are experts at a certain topic or category and getting them to teach. Okay. Okay. So you guys vet the right teachers. Yeah. I, I love that model. Uh, yeah. Mind, uh, Mind Valley does a certain uh, thing Very like up. that in the in a personal development space. Uh, I'm I'm sure you guys have heard of them. I, I love their stuff. Yeah, so we're going to do exactly what Mind Valley's done, bro. But cool. for the startup entrepreneurship space um, at scale. Uh, so yeah, that's that's very, yeah, that's essentially what we're going to do, um, and it's already started. You know, we're just about to launch in a couple of weeks our first one, um, and yeah, we'll just just work out from surveys uh, what people want. And, uh, yeah, my goal is by the end of next year, we have at least 30 of these courses. Wow, that's that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I love I love Mind Valley stuff. I've done a bunch of courses on there for personal development. I'm listen, listening to Fishin Lakayani's book right now, and it's, it's read by him, and he's just a good narrator and a good speaker. And uh, mm, I, I love that incredible. model. I think that's, uh, I think that's genius. He's, he's built an amazing company, and uh, you guys are, are well, on, well on your way in a niche that needs to be served. I'm pumped for you guys. Oh, thanks, man. So, yeah, we have the courses, and we, have the, we do a little bit of advertising, not that much. And then um, 
membership site, magazine subscriptions, and then eventually events. That's kind of the the model, man. Um, eventually events. Uh, haven't touched that yet. That's a bit of a beast. And then also eventually um, – you know, once we have enough courses, we can turn – we'll put everything – once we have enough courses, we will put everything into uh, a whole premium package where it'll be like founder premium and then we'll just be 100% focused. I, I love focus, man. I think it'll be beautiful just to be able to focus on founder premium and that's the only thing we focus on. Um, it has, obviously has to make financial sense and we'll still sell other products and things a la carte but – I think the real goal will be, you know, joining a membership, you know, because 99% of our stuff is free. But if you want more premium content, found a premium, 30, 40 bucks a month, and we'll just keep um, producing more products from surveys that people tell us that they want. Then we also have the physical book. I think we're probably going to do more, many more physical books. And we're actually just starting to print our magazines at a bespoke level. So we're not going to do a magazine because the magazine, it's digital subscription online and it's produced every month. But um, I don't want to go into producing magazine issues on a subscription basis for the print side of things, but I want to do a bespoke so, like, we might have ten or 20,000 copies of the Branson issue sitting somewhere and people can buy them. Cool. Um, or, you know, yeah, so um, I think that's, that's really cool um, because it's content that we already have. So just repurposing, repackaging. So, yeah, that's the model, man. Like, um, the model is – is the magazine on the front end, face of the business, the brand builder. Um, and from the magazine, it allows us to get all interviews with really next-level founders and entrepreneurs that are quite um, usually hard to reach. Uh, that's what I really try and go for to help us differentiate ourselves in the marketplace and to help build the brand. And then from that interview, we, you know, we turned into a podcast episode. Then we produce blog content at scale. Uh, we're, we're getting close to, we, we, you know, at minimum five pieces a week, really, really in-depth, 3,000 word, 4,000 word plus pieces a week. Um, and then, yeah, we're quite strong on social, as you mentioned, and that's all the front end kind of stuff. We have, you know, reasonable size email newsletter. And then, um, then you know, on the back end, it's, it's, you know, courses that, People show indication that they're interested in if they click on topics that they're interested in around from the newsletters and then, uh, you know, scaling up those courses through surveys, um, keep creating cool, fun projects like what we did with the book and other bits and pieces. Eventually want to create a SaaS tool, but probably at least three to five years away from that. And, um, yeah, super focused on building out our education platform and that side of things of the business. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, that's kind of our model. Does that help you? Yeah. I mean, is that, is that very clear? Absolutely, that that's clear to me. I'm uh, I'm dying for the next uh, email to land in my inbox, and I'm not just trying to plug your plug your stuff. I, I love long form content, and I love the design of your stuff. So I'm uh, I, I really like it. Um, I'm sure our our listeners are are curious. Uh, maybe maybe if you, you probably get asked this all the time, but do you have a favorite interview or two that uh, that you've conducted? A couple because that if that's your bread and butter is getting those names. Uh, yeah, I'm curious who you really like. Hmm. Yeah. Look, that's 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 to build the brand because the end goal for me, man, is to build a household name entrepreneurial brand that impacts you know tens of millions of people on a monthly basis. Um, so. 
we do that because that's that, that's how we build the brand as well. And and I find that that or you know it's easy to get good content if if the person's you know a disruptor of achieved incredible things. Um, so it, it makes it a lot easier, and it's just it's just a way to build the brand as well and get that cut through. But to answer your question around be, favorite interview, probably. Um, Rod Drury, the founder of Zero. You've heard of Zero online cloud um, accounting software. Oh yeah, I've. Uh, it sounds really familiar, but I'm not super uh, not familiar with his work exactly. But could you repeat the name? I'm going to write it down and put it up in the show notes. Yeah, X E R O. That's the company, and his name's Rod R O D Drury D R U R Y. Just an incredibly smart founder, multi-billion-dollar startup, um, online cloud accounting software, uh, incredible software. I've actually um, like they're on the stock market. I've actually bought. Um, some shares because I believe in that company after speaking to him and, and being a, being a customer of theirs as well. Uh, it's just brilliant. They're just changing the game. Um, they're crushing it. Uh, and just speaking with him, um, just game changing, incredibly smart. Uh, another one, David cancel. He's now the founder of a company called drift. They're trying to take on intercom. Um, very, very cool. Uh, Drift, very, very cool. We're now a customer of theirs as well. Um, he's just a very, very smart founder. I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, he's just very, very smart, incredible interview. Um, what else? Oh, there's been quite a few, you know. The one with Daryl was great. Um, let me pull it up, man, because it, um, there are definitely quite a few favorites. Um, and it just it's interesting, you know, sometimes people really enjoy other ones that I thought weren't that strong. Um, sure. So, yeah, uh, I'm just going to pull it up. Just give me one second. I can pull it up quickly. Um, the one with Daryl was good. What else? Um, a second. No, I'm ha- I'm happy that you're pulling this up because that's a uh, you know when you get turned on to a new podcast, right? Like uh, I'm going to start listening in to some of these specific episodes, especially if they're recommended by you, and not just like oh, I'm going to download a few that sound interesting to me. This this will be a good spin on it. Mm. Yeah, I really enjoyed the interview with James Bashar of Tilt. He just recently sold that company. Um, that was a good one. What else? There's one I did actually. It hasn't gone live yet, and it will take a while to go out. But I reckon it was one of the funnest ones I've did in a while. It was actually with Mark Cuban. That was that was incredible. Really great conversation. He was fantastic, man. Um, oh, the one Gerard Adams was quite good from Elite Daily. He sold how he sold Elite Daily. That was, oh, that right. was really good as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that one with with Mark Cuban to be to 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 be broadcasted. And published ooh, a while away because uh, he's in the December cover. But um, yeah, that was that was fun. Oh, also, Steve Blank. That was that was a really really good one from Steve Blank. What else? Um, there's another one as well that I thought uh, is a favourite. It's a bit of a mix up where I got someone from the community uh, to be mentored live, and the, uh, and he literally um, was mentored by one of my mentors. Uh, this is a very very smart um, mentor of mine. He, he sold his last company for fifty million. He's built. He always builds and scales companies, and uh, very very smart guy. Uh, yeah, that was that was a good mix up. Um, that was really cool. We got another one of those coming out um, soon as well. Uh, people really liked those, and I quite liked that. Was fun. Um, so yeah, there's some good ones to get started. 
Cool, cool. That that'll do it. Uh, damn, Nathan. Is, is there anything that you could leave our listeners with? I mean, obviously, you have uh, a wealth of knowledge yourself and an even more tremendous wealth of knowledge from all the people that you've interviewed do you have any you want to leave anybody uh with anything you know and and drop the mic if you will Hmm. okay wow all right expectation set dropping mic. Uh, <laughs> well i guess i could say that for me uh, it all started with travel, I think, you know, on a fundamental level. I think, you know, I don't think I am any different from anyone else. I don't have superhuman abilities. And every single person that I interview, they are no smarter than me or you. That's the one underlying thing that I can tell you, um, unless you're an Elon Musk who's just like a freak genius. But 99% of the people that I interview uh, everyday people, just like you and me, they're human beings. They stand on the same rock-solid ground. You know, they bleed just like you and me, and um, they just wanted it bad enough. These people just wanted it bad enough, and and you know, I think these people are prepared to push their comfort zone, and that's what they're constantly doing. And you know, for me, it all started with travel. You know, when I after I did that trip, I pushed my comfort zone. I kept pushing my comfort zone, even like you know, I told that story around how when, you know, pushed my comfort zone to go and speak to Daryl, and that helped me work through the lawsuit. And then you know, Daryl was the one that pushed me to leave my job. He was the one that told me I was ready to leave. And then, you know, you just have to be prepared to push your comfort zone if you want to build a life that you really, really enjoy, and you only have one, you know, chance uh, at life, and and you may as well make the most of it. So. Yeah, um, it's all about pushing your comfort zone, and, and travel is, is, is a great way to start. Nathan Chan from Founder Magazine, that is excellent advice. I'm glad to hear you dropping the mic and, and going out like that. Get out of your comfort zone, and uh, it's, it's really been a pleasure to, to see you do so. Oh, man, thank you so much. It was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it, man. It was great to connect, man. Yo, Live Different Podcast listeners, you know what to do. You love the episode if you listened this far. Go to iTunes. Show us some love. Please, that's all we ask. A little five-star review. Just a little review. That's all we need. Send it to a friend who needs to get their ass in gear. We're trying to do good work here, and we need your help. Hey, you know what? Special offer. Send me an email personally. I will write back. Matt at under30experiences.com. I want to know your feedback, and then I want to meet you in person. Maybe our yoga retreat, maybe our fitness retreat. Who knows? Check out under30experiences.com. Go do something awesome with your life.